Hello, and welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh Grilecki of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join Pastor Josh each week as he gives further insight into God's Word. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Weekly Wholesome Words. We are continuing to look at the issue of good works. Again, we covered already the recipe of good works, of our new identity and us walking after the Spirit. We took a look at the fact that we are... uh, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We validated the the reality that we are to participating in good works. We have seen that the good works are going to be by minding the things of the Spirit as we walk after the Spirit and thus produce the fruit of the Spirit. So the good works are not uh, what we produce in of ourselves, but what we do through the Spirit, by the Spirit, as we are in Christ Jesus. And then we started to take a look at the issue of the profitability of good works. And obviously through the designated expression that the scripture uses, good works, there's good to it. There's profitability, not only uh, those that experience those works, they're good unto them, but also it's good in the eyes of God. And those good works, therefore, since they are good in the eyes of God and really reflect his goodness, has a nature to it. They are everlasting in nature. And therefore, the profitability of the good works we participate in the life that now is, is to be had in the life that is to come. And that's where I want to pick up pick up where we left off last time. We reviewed Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 8 in connection with good works. And the seeds that Paul has been planting in connection with what we've been called unto in connection with the purpose of being in Christ Jesus and being justified unto eternal life, being sanctified unto functional life is for the end of producing these good works. In Romans 5, verse 17, he talked about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we receive so that we can reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And that the, the issue of what we have in Christ is not only to possess eternal life, but to reign in that life. And that was very vague in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. But as you go on through the book of Romans, that is spelled out for us in more detail. And when we got over to Romans chapter 6 there in verse 22, he talked about that we have been made free from sin, therefore being dead to sin, and we become servants unto God, and therefore we are alive unto God, that we would have our fruit unto holiness. And our fruit unto holiness, the fruit is pleasing and delightful unto God, and therefore it's going to be good in his sight. And that fruit is not going to be produced in and of ourselves. It's going to be produced by his grace, working in our inner man and thus producing the conduct and behavior that is compatible and consistent with the renewed mind that he's going to give us. And we saw there that the end of our fruit unto holiness is everlasting life. And therefore the translation of the things that we do now and what God's grace and what we let it and what we allow it to do in our lives and enlarge ourselves to it and are responsible with it, its profit is everlasting. And the majority of the experience of everlasting is going to be in the life that is to come, even though there is profit to be had in the life that now is. 
And then we jumped over to Romans chapter 8 and we saw all the, the issues over there, inheritance and being glorified together with Christ and operating upon something we don't see for in regards to how we think about things now. And God wants us to operate upon things we don't see in connection with our hope, in connection with the life that is to come to influence how we do things now. And that gave us the perspective of the profitability of the good works is going to be had in the life that is to come. And we already have some benefits and we already have some provisions of grace by simply trusting Christ that he died for our sins, was buried and rose again. We therefore have eternal life and we therefore have the, we have the promise and the hope of the redemption of our body. But the redemption of our body is not the only thing that... Uh, is not the only purpose that God has for us. The redemption of our body is to to bear glory and be glorified together with Christ. And to bear the maximum glory that we could have through the renewed mind that we have as we are conformed to the image of Christ. And we saw there in verse 28 of Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. And the fullness of that is in connection with the redemption of our body and and will be experienced in the life that is to come. And notice it works together for good. And that good later on becomes glory. Now what I want to do in taking up the rest of the time we have this week is to look at some passages that talk about, again, the profitability in connection with the life that is to come and also, therefore, provide you in the end some exhortations to participate in the good works of God's grace. Before we do that, come with me to Titus chapter 2. And we'll briefly note again a passage that we've looked at before. But again, when we talk about God's grace, that isn't just the freedom to do whatever we want. It's the freedom to serve Him. It's the freedom to participate in the, in the good works. And that's what grace teaches us. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Doesn't necessarily, it doesn't teach all men. It, it teaches us, those that have have benefited from the salvation, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, so on and so on. And the, sober, the, the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts and living soberly, righteously, and godly is what should characterize us as God's people and therefore be peculiar, as verse 14 says, and therefore be zealous of good works. Now, come with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. One of the, well, before we do that, come with me to chapter 3. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, Paul begins to compare the New Testament spiritual things in contrast to the uh, Old Testament fleshly things. And he compares that the ministration of the New Testament, of the Spirit and of righteousness, is exceedingly and far more glorious than the glory of the, of, of the flesh and the ministration of the Old Testament. But when he comes to his conclusion... 
And he brings up Moses and how they could not steadfastly look upon the face of Moses for the veil that covered his face so that they could not look to the end of the, the, the glory that was going to dissipate. And, and, and as he looks at Moses and the glory and connection with the Old Testament and how they couldn't look to the end of it and how it was going to fade away, as he compares that to the glory of what we look at in connection with the New Testament and the provider of it, the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes along and says that glory is transferred to us. The glory of the Old Testament could not be transferred. It would not only... It not only would fade away, and there would be an end to it, and that it would be abolished, that Israel was blinded to that, and not only was the glory going to dissipate, but that even that dissipating glory could not be, could not change the Israelite, those who participated in that dissipating glory. In contrast, what we have in Christ in regards to the spiritual things in the New Testament, it is a glory that remaineth. And it actually does change. And what I want to show you in connection with all that is that the, the primary thrust and emphasis of the glory is in the life that is to come. However, what... The, the, the change that now takes place and the good works that are involved in it, even though he's not going to use the issue of good works here, works to the end of glory upon glory in regards to us being changed into the image of Christ. Look at this here in verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, that 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 as in a glass, that comparison that is the word of God, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We looked at the issue of the Spirit and walking after the Spirit and, and minding the things of the Spirit and as the further things of the Spirit would come along, we would mind them. We saw in chapter 12 that they were going to renew our mind. And it was all for the end of conforming us into the image of His Son. And that's a process. And what's that taking place is we're being changed into His image. And what that is resulting into, even though we cannot see it, but we are to think about it in connection with our hope, is glory from glory to glory. It's working for us good. And he gives a prime example of that in chapter 4. And he says, based upon that, chapter 4, verse 1, therefore seeing we have this ministry to, to, to administer as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And, and, and for that glory, through the words on the page and, and, and even as by the Spirit of the Lord, changes. And it changes into the same image from glory to glory. It works glory. And as we've received that ministry, as we've received, as we've received mercy, we faint not, he says there in verse 1. 
And then he goes on and he starts talking about the glory. Look at verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the, excellence of the be, excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And he goes on and says that because of these earthen vessels we're going to suffer some things. However, don't let, that, don't let the suffering make you faint either. Because just as the the open seeing the Lord Jesus Christ and His image, as we're changed into it, part of that is suffering. And so He says here in verse fifteen, "For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace that harkens back to Romans chapter five verse seventeen might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God." And the the issue with the word redound is that what God is doing is that it affects us first and then it, redound, it, it, it impacts him secondarily. That's his selflessness. He says, verse 16, For which cause we faint not. Notice there's two issues of fainting not here. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. In comparison to what we go through here on this earth, it doesn't compare. And not only that, it works for us. Not just the issue of escaping the day of wrath, and not only the issue of possessing eternal life, and not only the issue of having the redemption of our body, but what measure of glory that body will bear is determined upon the good works part of that being suffering while we look not the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal folks when it comes down to it good works and godliness have profitability for the life that is to come Come with me. I can look at this all over the place, but my time's eluding me. Come with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and look at verse 8. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Godliness is profitable unto all. God takes the all things and he, he mixes it together with godliness, and there's profitability. And it has promise of the life that now is. It will impact your life. In some cases for the better. In some other cases it will produce suffering. In fact he goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says there in verse 12. Yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But it works glory. as profitability for the life that is to come. And so he says... Who's uh, back there in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy? He says, But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Well, in connection with that, I want to leave you with just looking at a couple passages that talk about what we do now has impact life that is to come in connection with an exhortation to us. Let's briefly go through these. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is talking about the resurrection. 
and therefore sets our mind in connection with the life that is to come. But as he concludes it, and he talks about the glory of the resurrection in connection with our new bodies. But not only that, the, the measure of glory, just like the glory of the sun differs from the glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, and, and, and one star differs from another star in glory, he still not only talks about the glory of our resurrection body, but the amount of glory that those bodies will bear as he concludes. Look what he says here in verse 58. As he talks about what we have in Christ Jesus, the reason why we have it. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always, because if you move, you don't get the further glory. If you're not steadfast, you don't get the further glory. And if you're not abounding in the work of the Lord by the provision of His abounding grace, you don't get the glory. I didn't say eternal life. I said the further aspects of glory. It says always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, why? Why be steadfast? Why be unmovable? Why always abound in the work of the Lord? We already have the resur- we already have the promise of the resurrection of their new body. And we got that by faith and faith alone. Look at the rest of verse says 58. For as much as you know that your labor, and this is what we are to know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are in the Lord. We have his abundance of grace. And we have the promise of the resurrection. But there is not vanity in regards to our labor in the Lord. No, there is eternal profitability. There is everlasting life when it comes in the connection with our labor by his abundant grace that we work out in the details of our life that's profitable for the life that is to come. Come with me to um, First Timothy. First Timothy. I wanted to look at another one, but we'll just pick it up here. First Timothy chapter 6 and look at verse 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good. Now he's talking specifically to the rich in the world. Rich believers in the world. But he says that they do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate. Look what he says here in verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life this isn't procuring their eternal life there you have that but to lay hold on it the eternal life and the things that we're going to face in the life that is to come are good works we're going to be doing all the time he says lay hold on it now he's he's given us the capacity and therefore charging us to be rich in good works, to do it now, and to lay up in store something. And that's glory. I'll end in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, as we conclude this brief look into the issue of good works, it's in, specifically in connection with giving to Paul. 
He says here in verse 17, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Oftentimes that verse is taken out of context. It says God will give you everything that you need in this life. It doesn't say that. It's not your need according to what he can give you now. He says your need according to his riches, where? In glory by Christ Jesus. That's in the life that is to come. Your sacrifice now. God will supply what you truly need in connection with the glory in glory in the life that is to come. It's fruit that's going to abound to your account. Well, folks, I hopefully you've seen in these brief four weeks that good works we're not only supposed to be zealous for, maintain, and be careful to maintain, and that God has given us the capacity to do them and look at how we produce them, but that you've also seen there is great profit in the good works that are produced from the godly edification that God provides through Paul's epistles and through the sound doctrine. There's promise of the life that it now is, its profitability now. It affects our relationships. It affects all things of life in which we face. Some will turn out really well, and some won't turn out well and produce some suffering, which is to be expected as as those that are in Christ living godly. But it all works together a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. It's worth it. And I hope you look into these things more on your own time. Until next time, look up. Thanks for joining Pastor Josh for this week's episode of Weekly Wholesome Words. Join him next week for another look into God's Word. Until next time, look up.